Welcome to the Wheels Up Podcast, the resource to help business, executive, and VIP travelers stay safe on the ground and in the air. Join Executive Protection and Travel Security Specialist Troy Clayton as he shares tips on how to give yourself or those in your care a safe journey, no matter where your travels take you. So welcome back to the uh, Wheels Up Podcast. I'm your host, Troy Clayton, and I'm here with uh, our co-host, Brett Jarman. How are you going today, Brett? I'm going good, Troy. Uh, winding, down for, winding down for Christmas as we're recording this. Are, are you winding down yourself? I wish I was, mate. Uh, this kind of a, is our, our busy period, actually. It's um, Although everyone else is sort of winding down, we, we've we got all the clients that want to visit Australia or sort of visit the region, and, and of course, we get the, the last-minute call-ups. So, you know, we're getting everything from, you know, the VIPs or, or our clients that want to visit out here through to, you know, we're even looking at the, the FIFA World Cup now. Um, and, you know, the Gold Coast Commonwealth Games coming up as well, so we're planning for that. Um, and even the Tokyo Olympics in, in 2020. So, you're, yeah. ki- you're kidding me. You planned that far out. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. I remember the last games that we were involved with, um, you know, they were planning as soon as the last games finished, they start planning for the next one. So, you know, there's a lot... There's a lot that goes into it. You know, there's the logistics, the security, the accommodation, the vehicles, the drivers. So, you know, we obviously don't book everything straight away, but, we, you know, we start reaching out to assets and, and identifying what we need to identify. So, yeah. Got it. Okay. Well, hopefully by the time this goes to air, you will have had a, had a break of some sort. Yeah. Well, hopefully. It's always good to be busy, though. All righty. Okay. All right. So let's, let's jump into the meat and potatoes of today's episode. Perfect. We're going to talk about journalists and media safety and security. Um, have you seen the movie Whiskey Tango Foxtrot? I have, I have. It's, uh, I understand it's um, based out of, you know, the journalist based in Afghanistan, yeah? Afghanistan, yeah. It's alleg- well, it's not allegedly based on a true story. It is based on a true story, but how much of it is truth or not. But it, it just amazed me. Um, it seemed to me like that's where all the journalists go uh, if they've got a death wish, you know, if, if they want to put themselves at high risk. Those are the sorts of places that they go to, um, some pretty wild behaviour. And even though the, you know, there was some security and, and some driver presence, even just the, the limited stuff that I've picked up from working with you, I could see that there's so much more they could have been doing to keep themselves safe. Yeah, look, I think the, the movie itself was probably a little bit uh, over-dramatised by Hollywood, the Hollywood factor. But, um, yeah, look, it's, it's not far off of, of you know, some of the, the things that go on in, in some of those, um, those hostile regions and, and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, I, I know a few blokes that have... Um, you know, done some, some, some work over that way as well as obviously we've done a little bit of work over in some of the hostile regions as well. So, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's definitely a different type of protection, that's for sure. Got it, got it. So, Troy, is protection for journalists, is that the same thing as executive protection for, that you provide for VIPs or high net worth individuals? Um, well, yes and no. I guess a lot of what we provide for journalists is, is logistics and, and secure transportation. Um, I heard recently someone use a line that I've been saying for quite some time now, actually, uh, that realistically uh, security is just a byproduct of the service that we provide. You know, it's a byproduct of, of moving, pe- you know, people from point A to B, uh, point A to point B, uh, and it's something that I've been saying for years. So it's good to see that somebody else has picked it up. Um, you know, getting, you know, just th- that secure transportation. Um, that's half the battle won. You know, there's, you know, there's obviously the uh, executive protection, PSD, journalist safety. Um, whichever terminology you want to utilise, um, the fundamentals are, are essentially the same. Um, but I guess to sort of bring it back to your question, is it is EP the same, uh, you know, for, for journalists the same as VIPs and, and high net worth individuals? I, I would sort of say that 
um, executive protection can be seen as the platinum level of service, um, where at times budgets are generally higher, uh, requests um, they're sort of they're, they're generally of a higher level. Um, you know, like in particular, you know, we <laughs> for, we had a, we had a um, a request to to fly a particular drink from a uh, from the mainland of a of another country. Uh, to an island because they, you know, they didn't have that, um, you know, and you just make that happen, you know, and it's, 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 it's the norm, you know, I mean, it's, you don't even think of it, so you just get that done, whereas working with journalists, they tend to be, um, they tend to be more roots level, um, and, they, and they want the security as they know they need it, not because, you know, they will be swamped by adoring fans or, um, they, have a, or they may not even have a specific threat against them. Um, it's, it's because they, they may actually be involved in, in um, you know doing something risky or going somewhere of risk uh, in, into areas and regions that they um, they have to go to or even the people that they're trying to interview. So yeah, there is there is a difference, I guess, in in executive protection and journalist safety and security. Um, you know, it, it's the difference is in the overall goal. You know, the the VIP wants everything to be easy. Um, they want the best of the best. Uh, the high-level, comfortable cars, the five- and six-star hotels, whereas a lot of the time what we're providing for journalists meets, you know, a particular budget that they may have. Um, and, and it could be everything from sleeping under the stars in, in remote regions with them through to, you know, rudimentary dwellings that, just so they can get their story. Um, the vehicles may be designed to blend in so that they don't draw attention uh, from, you know, unscrupulous sources um, that they may be meeting or they may want to interview. So they don't necessarily always want to stand out. So, you know, the, the needs differ, um, you know, the needs differ from that of a, you know, a VIP or a high net worth individual to, to that of a journalist. You know, journalists are all about getting into the action, whereas, you know, the high net worth individuals or the VIPs, they're all about avoiding it. So, you know, we, we get together, we sit down and, and I keep sort of talking about um, how 90% of this job is in the planning, um, how we go about planning for a uh, journalist uh, safety uh, or journalist safety and security uh, task compared to that of a, uh, a VIP um, differs substantially. Um, you know, you, you, we start talking about hostile environments and volatile situations or volatile areas. You know, I guess the difference, the difference being uh, a hostile area or a hostile environment, we start talking about that. We talk about places like Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, and although they're volatile, they're sort of a step up from that, what we would consider to be, um, you know, they, we, they'd be considered hostile. So volatile would be areas like, you know, um, some places of, of Africa, um, South America, or even closer to home for, for, for us here in Australia, places like Papua New Guinea um, and certain areas of Indonesia. You know, they're, they're considered volatile. So not, not every road will have a possible roadside bomb or an IED or improvised explosive device, but, you know, a lot of these places or some of these places will have, um, you know, a high risk of kidnapping, uh, armed assault, injury, you know, injury in some form or another. So they'd be considered as, as volatile areas. So there is, a, there is a difference between the planning and, and the actual conduct of an um, executive protection detail versus that of a, either a PSD or, a, um, or journalist safety, for sure. Right. Now, you mentioned that you and your team, you've provided services to journalists and media in the past. Walk us through some of those experiences. Um, yeah, so we've, we've, we've had experience in various parts of the world with journalists. 
um, and, and media production teams, and it ranges from pretty benign areas like uh, like Hawaii through to hostile areas like Iraq. So, you know, we've supported journalists and production crews in, as I said, Hawaii, Indonesia, um, Iraq, Singapore, um, Thailand, here in Australia, and um, you know, and, and up into Africa. So, a few, I guess, a few specific examples would be. Um, you know, we had a, a freelancer, a journalist, come to um, Basra in southern Iraq when I was when I was working over there um, a few moons ago now. But uh, you know, he came across looking for looking to gain a story of um, during some of the, the most hostile activities during um, 2005, 2006. Um, I can't remember the exact dates, but it was around 2005, 2006. And you know, he hit the ground, and he was pretty naive. Um, they sort of come over and. Um, you know, we ended up picking them up from 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 the fireball from the airbase. Air uh, we provided a, a risk brief on the location, the area that he was looking to go to. We needed to get a better understanding of what it was that he he was, you know, what what his goal was at the end of it, and then we had to plan around that. So you know, we gave him a full a full orders brief essentially on on, on everything that he needed to know, including the customs of, of the locals going into that area. So we had a we had an armed team of. Um, um, multinational, a multinational team. So it was um, at the time uh, I was a two IC. I had a team leader which was uh, was a, a Kiwi, and we had um, uh, several. We had several uh, local Iraqi nationals uh, which assisted with the move as well. So you know we arranged access to some of the more off limits areas um, as you know at the same time weighing up you know all the risk and, and, and the threat analysis that went with it. So we provided him security advice. We provided him Overwatch. And basically, you know, uh, when we told him it was time to go, he knew it was time to go. So I guess in those hostile uh, areas, um, it becomes uh, a lot more prevalent. You have a little bit more, I guess, um, uh, you have the ability to sort of say to these guys, hey, you know, we need to drop tools and we need to move. And they, and they really, they really um, uh, take heed of that. Um, I guess uh, in comparison, we've had, uh, we had a, you know, a previous job not so long ago uh, that our um, our team escorted a journalist and, and production team up to um, some of the most or some of the more remote areas or, or regions of Indonesia, um, and and they were actually out to expose a, a slavery a slavery ring which was uh, which involved enslaved fishermen uh, who were travelling down from some of the poorer parts of Asia, um, and um, they were coming down obviously to, to earn better money and send that send that back to their families. So uh, unfortunately what they didn't realise is that um, when they got there that these guys were basically taking their passports and, and um, pretty much putting them, putting, putting them to work uh, and, and essentially enslaving them. So the job involved uh, providing advice to the journalists and, and, and the production team um, and that included advice on all their permits and visas, um, providing transfers, secure transportation, uh, assisting with uh, hotel selection and then 24 security and, and risk management, um, and, and the planning started several several days, even I think you know weeks beforehand. So we were involved in in the, the lead up to that. It wasn't just a case of let's hit the ground and grab a couple of security guys and run. There was a significant amount of planning that had to go into that. So um, you know we had a we had a small team which consisted of both expatriate team members with backgrounds in military. Uh, and specialist law enforcement, and um, we had a couple of trusted locals or, or fixers. So it wasn't a huge team. Um, basically, we embedded with the with the um, the production crew, and we sort of we had to fit in with what they wanted and what they needed, um, and at the same time provide them provide them with the, the right advice. 
you know, it was an extremely sensitive task and it involved our team really hammering home that the risk involved um, that was there and, and what the journalists were doing there. Um, you know, they were essentially exposing um, an, an organised criminal slavery ring. So uh, who, who were there enslaving and beating fishermen. And in some cases, there was reports of fishermen being thrown overboard at sea. So, you know, as you can imagine, it was, it was you know, it's a very serious um, task and, and there was a considerable amount of risk that was uh, surrounding it. Um, you know, it was, for us, it was about getting the production team as close to the story as possible. Um, but at the same time, attempting to mitigate the risk. Uh, so, you know, it, it even included managing to get one of them on board one of the fishing boats without being detected, and then and then, then again, um, and then sort of get them off again safely. Um, it was a pretty tough gig for the for the lads, but you know, it was it was it was a challenging gig. It was a tough gig, but it was a rewarding gig. You know, um, you know, we were working within tight budgets, long hours, limited resources, but you know, the guys did an amazing job. Um, and, and it really did come down to, to the networks that the, the guys had, uh, had on the ground and the ability to work in austere environments. And really it was a testament to the guys and, and the previous training and their, and their background so, um, that they did as well as they did. Um, so I guess that's, a, that's, that's a example of, uh, an example of a hostile environment with the Basra and then, um, and, and then a volatile environment even though um, you know, you could almost consider that being a hostile environment with, with some of the risks that were surrounded, you know, up there in, in um, Indonesia. I guess a, a more benign task um, it would include one that we recently did um, where we supported another team um, in, in Hawaii. Um, you know, I travelled with a, a popular Australian TV show. Uh, they went up to Hawaii. They were doing an outside broadcast. And it was, to be honest, it was pretty, pretty routine. Um, we... We travelled with those guys. We, we had the assistance of um, some US, uh, with a, a US security company. Um, uh, you know, like I said, it was, it was pretty routine, but it, it, was, it was straight after the Lint Siege Cafe in, in Sydney, in Australia, um, straight after that shooting. So the security was ramped up and, and it was on everyone's mind. So realistically, it was all about providing peace of mind um, to the team uh, and, and to, the, to the, not only the production team, but to obviously the, the talent that was there as well. Um, and, you know, I believe that, um, you know, we, 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 uh, we managed to, to do that. It was just about, you know, putting, putting peace, of mind, peace to mind uh, or, or placing peace of mind. Um, I guess on top of that as well, we, we had that added um, medical capability, which obviously Panoptic Solutions provides, um, and, and, and we assist other companies who are unable to meet that, that, that medical demand, so we assisted there. Um, which was actually utilised on that trip as well. So there's a couple of examples of, I guess, hostile, volatile and, and benign um, support that we've provided, security support or, or safety support we've provided to journalists. Got it, got it. And for our international uh, listeners, the, the, the Lint Cafe seeds that Roy, Troy was referring to, um, that happened about, I think it was about four or five years ago mm. in Sydney. You, you certainly would have heard about it at the time, but it may not be as front of mind to you uh, as it is for us here in Australia. So, Troy, what's it like working with you know, journalists and production teams and, and going off on adventures with them? Um, yeah, look, it's, it's unique, uh, and yet it's, it's, it's a rewarding experience. Um, you know, we, we find uh, journalists and, and production teams to be fairly down-to-earth, uh, albeit uh, a lot of the time they, they're, they're quite adventurous. Um, so working, working with those guys, it's about, you know, uh, sometimes setting the expectations and, and, and the reality of the situation that, that they, where they may be going in. Uh, 
know, working with journalists, we feel that, you know, we're an extension of their team. It's their show, it's their gig, um, and we're there to assist them do their job. Uh, we're a support element, essentially. Um, we're there to provide them with advice, which builds their risk assessment. And we, you know, obviously we're the, um, the risk management and risk management, uh, risk mitigation specialists, but um, it's also about building uh, a risk assessment for them to understand as well. You know, they're always going to take risks. Um, you know, it, it's what they do. Uh, and to be honest, I actually respect them for that. Uh, I respect them quite a lot. Um, I think what they do is quite uh, admirable. Um, and it really takes a special kind of person to want to place themselves at risk just so they can get the truth out there. Um, you know, it's you know, going out there to expose, uh, I guess, some of the injustices of the world. They're, they're, they're trying to get out there and get the story out there. You know, that said, our job is to make sure that, you know, they can do that, that they can get the story back here and then they can get back in one piece. Um, you know, there's, there's, the reality is that there is a point at which um, as, a, as a risk management professional, um, we have to step in and say, you know, okay, that's, that's not going to work. Um, and then we provide them with an alternative option. It's not about saying no, uh, unless, of course, it's suicidal. Um, then we'd probably step in and say, hey, listen, we need to, uh, you know, rethink this. Um, it, it's about working with them and providing them solutions. It's that old saying, don't come to me with problems, come to me with solutions, and that's what we do. Uh, and I guess after all, you know, being called Panoptic Solutions, we like to, you know, we like to come up, come, come with them, come to them with, with solutions, and, and that's what we do. You know, but a whole journalists are great to work for, and 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 they generally listen to what advice we pass on to them. Uh, but like I said, it's it's their it's their gig. We come to them with solutions, and and they're they're pretty good. Got it. So so Troy, nowadays a, a, a journalist can virtually be uh, an entire team. You know, with, with mobile phones as they are, they can use that as a recording tool for both audio and video. Yeah. Yep. Do you find that they tend to travel as a team still or do they travel more as individuals? And is there a, a difference in the level of service you provide depending on the numbers that are in a crew? Uh, look, there's no real difference in the level of service we provide. Um, it, it really comes down on a case-by-case basis. Uh, some journalists are freelancers, like I discussed about the, the, the uh, gentleman in, in Iraq. Um, other work for production companies, press agencies and, and even news channels. Um, you know, obviously, the larger the organisation, generally speaking, the larger the budget. Um, but you know, we've we've done jobs where you know we've had to shuttle people back and forth uh, with one vehicle, and we've got the job done. Um, or you know, we've we've done other jobs where we've had access to a large number of resources. We make do with the budget that we have and, and, and the assets we have. So um, you know, we attempt to mitigate as best as possible. But you know, there are times where there is risk, uh, the risks that need to be taken. Um, and, and obviously can't be avoided. So we, you know, we sit down with these guys and discuss what, what's the best best uh, move moving forward. I guess when you're working with a, a solo journalist, there's, you know, there's less decision making that needs to be done, and there's there's really only one person to bounce matters off. Um, whereas when you're working with a production team, you know, there's the producer, the director, the talent, and so forth. So uh, sometimes there's, um, you know, everyone has different ideas about, you know, what the overall outcome should be. So uh, at times, there are a few more people in the decision-making process, but you know we just generally let them juke that out. Got it. All right. Now I know we've touched on this in previous episodes, but maybe journalists are different. So, in terms of logistics and getting about, is it best to have a local driver, or is it fine for them to drive themselves around? Yeah. Oh, look. Of course, they can choose to drive themselves. Uh, in fact, I'm sure that there are journalists out there who make this as common practice. You know. Um, 
you know, obviously, however, we, we would advise against it um, and we would always advise to, to utilise a, a local, uh, trusted local source. Um, you know, particularly when working abroad in, you know, more volatile or unfamiliar countries, it's obviously far safer uh, contracting a driver in. Uh, and as I said, you know, we would, of course, advocate using, um, using one which has been vetted by a security and risk management company. Uh, this, this way you're at least going to get a known quantity and, and a vehicle which will, you know, be, you know, it will, will be roadworthy uh, and operational. I mean, there's, you know, you, you, you can ring, I guess you can get on the internet and try and book whatever vehicle you want, uh, but at the end of the day, if it hasn't been checked, you, you know, half the time these vehicles turn up, they've got bald tyres, they're, you know, they're, they're, they haven't been serviced in, you know, five or six years. So um, at least going through a risk management company, you're going to have the peace of mind uh, that, you know, the guys have obviously checked and vetted the, the drivers and checked and vetted the, um, the, the vehicles. Um, you know, realistically, using a local driver provides you with increased local knowledge. Uh, they're going to know where, you know, well, they're obviously going to know the area far better than you or I. Um, you know, they'll know what's the safest or the fastest routes getting to and from locations. Now, I will say that if, if you have gone through a risk management company or a security risk management company and utilised... Um, you know, guys uh, that, that do this for a living and um, if it's within the scope and the budget, they may have already gone in and done advances on the area. So um, it may be a case of your security guys actually know the fastest routes and know the safest routes because they've already done their advances. Um, the, other, the other point that's worth noting is that in, in some of the remote regions, um, you know, if you go in there and you, you're driving around, uh, you're going to look out of place. Um, you're going to start drawing more attention than perhaps you'd like. You know, so if you contract the driver in, um, it's actually been, it's seen as supporting the local economy. So a lot of these remote areas, they, um, they, uh, they have these small businesses and driving companies and whatnot, and that's, or it might just be a solo driver. Um, you know, if you're there supporting them, then um, it's looked on more favourably. You know, one point of note, um, though, is to utilise drivers who are uh, a local to that area um, some regions frown upon drivers from other regions of the same country um, coming in. It's perceived as the outsiders are, are stealing the jobs from the locals, uh, and this may again cause issues if um, if you, you sort of seem to be doing that and you really don't want that. Okay, so you, you mentioned there, Troy, um, about uh, journalists standing out when perhaps they don't want to. Are there times when they could or should travel incognito? Yeah, look, probably most of the time, if not all the time. Um, I guess the exception to this would be if um, you know they're involved in official openings or recording VIPs, etc., um, or they're invited. They've actually been invited into the country by you know a delegation or, or you know um, an official official um, invitation has gone out to them. Obviously, it can be difficult to hide uh, the fact that. You know, you have a tripod and a camera and all the gear that goes along with it. So, um, the reality is, it may not be possible. Um, you know, but wherever wherever possible, it's 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 always good to decrease your footprint um, so as not to draw too much attention. You know, um, especially in some of the countries where um, censorship is more prevalent. Uh, some West African countries aren't big on journos reporting back. Uh, same as China. Uh, they look at journalists with suspicion, so it's um, it's probably best to try and lower your profile. So, speaking of which, uh, do journalists need special visas or even permits to visit some areas? 
Yeah, they, they will. Uh, each country is slightly different, but uh, as a whole, they do need to, 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 to apply for uh, journalist or media visas. Um, and uh, there's a documents uh, called CANE. Um, so, yeah, that's, those sorts of things need to, be, um, need to be sorted out in advance. Got it. Okay. So if they haven't followed common sense or listened to their gut or maybe they even just happen to find themselves in the wrong place at the wrong time and all of a sudden it goes pear-shaped, they find themselves packaged up in the boot of a car and kidnapped, what's the next step? What's the protocol if a journalist or someone on a media team finds themselves kidnapped? Yeah, obviously, uh, it's it's obviously not a great place to be. Um, and look, we, we talk about, and I'm pretty sure we're going to do another podcast about situational awareness and and uh, perhaps things to look for uh, as you're travelling, and and that would be quite prevalent to, um, to 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 the journalists who are travelling or the production teams that are travelling. But um, I, I guess the first thing to do is is take a deep breath. Um, take control of take control of yourself. Take control of themselves or yourself. Um, you're gonna be you're gonna go through you know uh, an emotional tidal wave. You know you're gonna go through that that anger, the confusion, um, the dread, and the, and the helplessness. You know you're gonna be scared, or you know um, they're gonna be confused, and, and they're gonna be thinking the worst. Obviously, um, so I guess the first thing to do is to take control of your mind and be prepared for the for the actual ordeal that's that's about to occur. Um, you know, a lot of kidnappings uh, are business transactions, so it's not always about killing the individual. Um, you know, obviously that does does occur in, in certain situations where political, ideological, um, and, and religious statements are, are looking to be made. But in general, and and, and more in hostile regions, but a, again, not always. You know, you you need to understand that you're a commodity. You know. Um, it may be that they're after some intel, but realistically, as a journalist, it's it's not really the case. Um, there's not really much intelligence or intel value in in what um, you may have. Um, I guess, I guess you know, from from a comfort point of view, and, and I'm probably just not telling you anything you, you probably don't already know. But I guess from a comfort point of view, don't expect anything. You know, don't expect too much in the way of luxury. Um, you know, understand you're going to be moved and transferred several times. Uh, you know, you can try and keep track of it, and obviously, we would say do your best to do that. But it's going to be difficult. Um, you know, if you move several times in a day, it's you're going to lose track of it. You know, it's not like I guess it's not like the movie with uh, was it with Liam Neeson? You know, the movie Taken. You know, where you know you're going to be able to count every step. Um, but you know, if, if you can recall smells, sounds, uh, and things like that, then that's that's going to assist with um, any future uh, escape attempts or, or even a rescue. Which may be, uh, which may be uh, behind the scenes being formed up. So I guess if you've um, you've updated your family uh, or your work of your movements. So if you've um, you've let them, you know, if if you're a, a freelancer, then it's always best to keep it, keep track with your family or, or your friends back home. Uh, if you're working for a uh, production team or, or whatnot, then obviously you'd be updating them as to your movements. Um, then you're in a far better position than those who haven't done that. Um, and also those um, that have registered with their country's travel or consular uh, assistance organisations or sites. I know we discussed that. I think it's, um, I think we discussed that in um, episode two or three about um, uh, signing into that, uh, into those sorts of websites. So um, if, if you, you leave a breadcrumb 
uh, trail of, of where you where you think you're going to be or where you're going, then then it's, it obviously makes it easier for, for people, um, you know, if they need to come looking for you. Um, I guess one thing you need to keep in the back of your mind is that it's it's very possible that your kidnapping may have already been reported, um, or if it's a kidnap for ransom, then you know the ransom's been sent out. Um, then there's a, there's a process back in the country which is occurring for for a rescue rescue attempt. So keep that in the back of your mind. Don't lose hope. Um, once your mind goes, then your body's going to go. You know, maintain your health, uh, mind and body. You know, and look, honestly, I could talk about this in great length, but. Um, you know, we'd be here all day if I sort of break it down so much. Um, Panoptic Solutions, we, we actually run a, a conduct after capture training uh, package primarily designed to highlight what you will experience after being captured, uh, what you can do to minimise the chances of, of being kidnapped, uh, and as well as that, it, you know, it's an education session on, on what's going on behind the scenes. So it provides you with a better understanding that you may not be alone. And, and I guess you need to keep that in the back of your head. You're not alone. Um, you know, the, the package that we do, it's aimed at journalists, ex, um, executives who travel, NGOs and VIPs. Um, so, look, a quick plug, I guess, if anyone wants to, any more information on about, they can, they can uh, just email us at uh, info at panopticsolutions.com um, if they want more information about it. Uh, and I'm sure, um, Brett, you guys will put it up um, with this podcast. But it's, it's certainly well worth conducting. It's, it's run by former Special Forces guys and um, some intelligence personnel. And it will um, it'll assist, assist in preparing you for travel. So um, that's a good one for journalists to look out for. Got it. So that sounds like the type of training you, you'd never want to actually utilise, but if you did happen to need it, you'd be glad you, you had it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, um, back in back when I was in, still in the military, we we uh, we did a conduct after capture training, um, and it wasn't quite as long as the, the guys that are in the um, that the, the special forces, but. Even the uh, the introduction to that it was uh, it was you know it was quite um, uh, quite the uh, the event and um, it, it really highlighted what you know the roller coaster emotions you're going to go through um, when you are captured when you are um, you know uh, uncomfortable and um, what may possibly occur so it's um, the, the actual course that we run is, is is not as intense as that but certainly it'll give you a um, an insight in, into the mindset of, of being captured, yeah. Right, righty. So we've covered a lot of ground today, Troy. Um, before we wrap it up, can you give us three pieces of advice that you would give to a journalist or a production team before heading into an area that you might consider volatile? Um, all right, so three. Uh, it's quite specific. Um, all right, no worries. Look, I guess I would say number one, download my podcast. Uh, and uh, review episodes two and three. Um, we discuss the travel checklist. I guess that's a good place to start. You know, we discuss a lot of what you know we would advise, um, including you know during pre-departure and, and during during travel procedures. You know, it's uh, there's there's a lot of pertinent information in there um, about not not connecting things like not connecting to Wi-Fi, um, uh, using clean devices, uh, or, or taking them with you rather than leaving them in the hotels. Um, and then there's also the advice on health and safety uh, and security as well. Um, you know, all those medical points and, and those those um, those health points will, will you know keep you keep you safe. Um, number two. Uh, so for a second one, look, I would say before before heading off, uh, reach out to a reputable security and risk management company. Um, uh, find out if they provide relevant hostile environment 
awareness training or heat training. Um, that's something that we do as well here at Panoptic Solutions. Um, but you know, there's there's various other companies out there that, that, that obviously offer that as well. You know, prepare yourself before heading off. Make sure that you you know the course covers uh, a med- medical aspect within it as well. Because realistically, if you're heading anywhere remote or even uh, even a chance um, that um, you you know you, you may be injured, um, you know it obviously increases exponentially. You know in some of the volatile areas that you go to. So make sure that you, you cover off the medical training as well. You know, obviously, being a paramedic, um, I know only too well what can go wrong. Uh, and when you, you you're sort of there by yourself, if you don't know how to plug a hole or clean yourself up, then uh, when you're in an isolated or, or volatile position, then um, you know the problem uh, becomes much you know much bigger exponentially. Um, so that's number two, I guess. Um, for a third one. Um, sort of along the same lines as the second one, I guess. You know, talk to a risk management provider about uh, a fixer or a trusted source in, in country. Um, you know, obviously the gold standard would be to have a, a security consultant travel with you uh, or meet you in location. Um, and, and to be honest, I, you know, I can't advocate that strongly enough. Um, but if you don't have the means, uh, then discuss what options you know, you've got within your budget. Um, it may just be about arranging um, a trusted driver or, or secure transportation. Um, you know, we, we had a team heading to um, uh, South America not long ago, um, and it was um, uh, they were going to some rather volatile regions and, and associating with some unpredictable characters. Um, you know, they chose not to not to utilize, utilize our services in the end, but we, we continued to provide them with advice as we were we were uh, rather concerned and worried about their safety. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, general general safety advice is free, and, and we're happy to provide that. Uh, especially, you know, with these guys, you know, where, where the risk was in plain sight, you know, that we sort of started down a process. And um, even though they chose not to go with us, um, I didn't feel right about not giving them the advice that they needed. So, um, you know, it, it's always worth um, touching base with a, a risk management company to, 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 to get that advice. Um, Obviously, you know, if we were going to start moving into a consulting role, then we'd sit down and discuss those retainers and whatnot, but uh, we're happy to provide the, the advice. Um, in fact, when the guys came back, you know, I actually saw uh, the footage they came back with, and, and to be honest, I'm really surprised no one was actually uh, seriously injured. The, the crew were placed in, in situations where uh, intoxicated and elevated characters were, were firing off weapons and utilising motor vehicles, all, all uh, spare of the moment type thing. Um, and, you know, they were really fortunate no one was injured, um, or even worse. Um, you know, the, the, the contact that reached out to us, they even said to me um, that it was a huge eye-opener for them, and realistically they should have had someone there, there with them. So I suspect that, you know, we'll get a call next time that they, they travel, I guess. Terrific. Well, that was three no problems. You came up with those quite easily. There you go. Right. Don't ask me for another one. Fair enough. Now, I had to laugh, or not laugh, but I, I kind of smile inwardly during number two there where you talked about the medical example and you talked about plug a hole. So is that, yeah. is that technical speak for, for closing an open chest wound or something like that? Yeah, I guess it could be anywhere. I mean, whether or not you've been shot, whether or not you've fallen over on a stick, you know, whatever, uh, you know, any, any injury. You know, okay. we, I, think, I think I've used the example previously where we, we did a job where someone fell down a sinkhole and knocked themselves out. Um, and we had to go in and extricate them. Um, it was just a case that you know we were, they were lucky that we were there and and we had the, that capability. So I guess that's just an example of um, you know anything can happen. You know these journalists travel into some of these remote places or more volatile regions, and 
uh, I guess a you know St John's first first aid course just doesn't really cut it. You know, it's it's about taking the right equipment or the appropriate equipment when you're going to go on these jobs. Um, making sure that your first aid kit is more than just band aids. Um, you know, stack yourselves with you know some medications that you may or may not you know that may that, that you're going to you're going to require when you go there. So yeah, it's 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 just preparing yourself. That's what it comes right. down to. Right, which we covered in great detail, as you mentioned earlier, on episodes two and three. And if anyone listens to either of those episodes, you can see there, you can also download the International Business Travellers Personal Safety Checklist, and that goes through in quite some detail, including the, uh, the, the pimped out first aid kit that you talked about. Alrighty, Troy, thanks again. Um, yet another interesting episode. Um, next time I'm watching a journalist on television, I see them in their flak jacket and hard hat. I hope, hope that there's someone like you in the background, or if there's not, that they've at least listened to this and just tooled themselves up, uh, maybe done your uh, conduct after capture training course so that uh, you know, they're well prepared and not putting themselves at more risk than they need to. Absolutely. It's all about being prepared. Okay. Until next time, Troy, safe travels to you. No worries. And to you, Brett. Take it easy. See you, mate. You've been listening to the Wheels Up podcast with Troy Clayton. For more information, show notes, resources, and subscription options, visit wheelsuppodcast.net. Wheels Up is brought to you by the Experts On Air podcast network. Until next time, safe travels.